You guys know those nights where you get no rest because you're having just sort of those recurring dreams. You know those recurring dreams that just drive you crazy, like, you know, once a week or once a month, those dreams just kind of pop back in your, in your sleep and they disrupt you for the whole night. Some of mine and, and some of our staff, I actually asked our staff what some of theirs are, and, and it's funny how many of them have to do with not being able to see. Like mine, the one I probably get most frequently is that I'm driving and I can't open my eyes. Now, I have many friends who've driven with me who say that that's normally what I drive like anyway, but um, that's just the worst dream because, man, it's so scary. I'm trying. I can feel in my dream. I'm trying to open my eyes to protect myself. My wife has a dream where she can't open her eyes, and she's like back on the high school volleyball team, and people just keep serving the volleyball at her, and she can't open her eyes, and she keeps getting whacked in the head and stuff. Um, Joey, our youth pastor, told me that he has this, this dream where he comes up on stage, and he used to play in our band back in the day, and he would be trying to play the worship music, but he can't open his eyes. He also said another dream that he has is that everyone's up on the stage ready for worship, and the countdown clock has gone off, and he can't get to the stage. Everything's in slow motion, and so he's trying to get here. And once he gets up on the stage, even getting his guitar plugged in, he's like in slow-mo. And so that's his deal. Andrew uh, also has the eye-closed thing where he's trying to lead worship, and he can't see the guitar, and he can't see the chords. He also said that he has this dream where he gets up on stage, and he's all ready to go, and his eyes are open, and He's good to go. But then all of his gear, his guitar and his amp have been moved. Like, like his amp's on the other side of 347. His guitar's in the sump. He said once there was actually a mountain in the middle of the auditorium. He had to climb up and over to get to his gear. And so this whole thing with not being able to see is kind of a big deal, I guess. How many of you guys have had that dream where you can't see? Anybody else in the room has that seeing issue? Okay, some of you guys. Um, Pastor Ravone spoke a few weeks ago, and he talked about how one of the recurring dreams he has is that he's in high school and he has to take a test, but he's lost. He can't find the classroom he's supposed to get to. I don't know if some of you guys have that dream. Um, another one that I tend to have is that I'm here at church, and actually it's not this building. It's like this huge building, and the place is packed out, but everything is going wrong. Um, I, I'm like running around, and the computer wires are all unplugged, and the lights are all in the wrong places. And I don't know why this happens, but every time I finally get everything figured out out there, and I'm supposed to come up on stage, I get lowered from the ceiling. It's so cool in my dream. But then when I get here, I have no notes. And so I'm like, ah, so just everything is going wrong. Well, in our relationship with God, have you ever noticed that we have those restless seasons as well? And some of the same themes come up, I think. I mean, in our dreams, sometimes we can't see. Sometimes we, we kind of feel lost. And sometimes we feel like everything's going wrong. And I think that in our relationship with God, we go through seasons where we're restless, just like those nights where we toss and turn. And, and sometimes it's because we feel we can't see God like we used to. You ever been there? I've been there. You know, you saw God answer prayer for a lot, and, and you saw him show up in your life, and you saw him making a huge difference. His presence was very real. But then all of a sudden, it was like, what happened? Where did he go? Why can't I see him at work in my life like I used to? Some of us would say, I just feel lost in my relationship with God sometimes. You know, like I, I used to be able to hear his voice or know what it meant, like, meant for him to be leading me, but I feel like I can't hear him lately. I feel like he's silent. I feel like I open up the Bible and I don't hear or get anything out of it. I feel like I pray and I just wait on God and I close my eyes and it just feels like silence coming back. Some of you might say, I feel like everything is going wrong in my relationship with God. I used to come to church and I'd be excited to worship. And I have to be honest, as the music's playing, while the musicians are excellent, I don't feel that God connection anymore. Some of you might say, you know, as I open up my Bible, it just seems like they're just words. And you know what? 
I've been there multiple times in my relationship with God. And if you've been a Christian for any length of time, I would guess you have as well. And if you're a new Christian, I just want to prepare you because this is something you do go through sometimes. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I think this is really important because maybe you would say one of the reasons you're not a follower of Jesus is because maybe you were for a time trying this out and you just didn't feel that whole God connection like some people talk about. You didn't have the emotion of feeling close to God. And so tonight, we're going to kind of explore all these different things that we go through. And this is all called um, many different names, like all these scholars and theologians have different names for this time in a Christian's life. Some people call it the dark night of the soul, which I guess is what Batman would go through if he were a follower of Jesus. You know, I don't know. Actually, I was thinking, Joey, between me and you, the times we reference Batman from this stage is ridiculous. You, know? you guys should all be proud and thankful for the rest of our staff who overruled us when we presented the name Gotham City Church as uh, the name for our new building. But that didn't happen, so don't worry. So we got the dark night of the soul. It's also called just the night season, I guess because of the whole sight thing and just feeling like you can't see God. Uh, it's called the divine darkness, which I think would be an epic name for a Christian metal band. All right? Welcome to the stage. Divine darkness. All right? That'd be so legit. Come on. They'd play the whole set with the lights off and they'd be throwing Bibles out, knocking people out. It'd be great. So divine darkness, I think, is good. Uh, journey into the desert, right? Because this whole season just feels like you're kind of in a desert. There's no life. It feels like there's no water flowing. It's just dry, you know? And so as Christians, guys, this is where we often find ourselves. And today, we're going to give this experience in our life our own name, okay? Instead of calling it the dark night or the journey into the desert or any of these things, here's what we're going to call this for today. We're going to call this place Gethsemane. Gethsemane was this garden on the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem, and Jesus had one of these experiences here. Jesus had sort of this dark night or this journey into the desert type experience in Gethsemane. And so that's why I want to kind of call it that today. And we're going to look at what Jesus went through in this place. Now, it's super important for us to talk about because when you and I get in a Gethsemane type experience, it becomes so easy to walk away from God. It becomes so easy to give up on God. I have a great friend who was living his life, and he would say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. And then he went through an extended period of time where he went through a season like this, and he eventually just gave up because he just couldn't handle feeling far from God. He couldn't handle praying and not getting the answers he once had. He couldn't handle praying and looking for God and feeling like he wasn't hearing anything back, and so he just walked away. It's easy to lose hope. In this place, maybe you'd say, Well, I'm not, you know, I'm going through this, I'm not ready to give up, but I can tell you that I'm feeling kind of hopeless because it's really tough to feel close to God and then all of a sudden not. And so, this is important for us to talk about. Another reason it's important for us to talk about is because it's easy to feel condemned when you're in Gethsemane, it's easy to feel like this is probably happening because I sinned. Now, let me tell you this. There are times in our lives we feel far from God because of our sin. That is true. That happens sometimes. But I can also tell you that this Gethsemane experience or this dark night experience is not because of your sin. It's something God does on purpose. And you might say, why would God ever want me to go through this? Why would, you want, why would he want me to feel not close to him? Or why would he kind of sort of hide himself, so to speak? Why would he do that? Well, that's what we're going to look at here tonight. But I can promise you, it's loving. The last reason this is so important for us to talk about is because, like I said earlier, we're all going to go through it at one point or another. We're all going to have seasons where we feel close to God and seasons where we feel far from God. 
And so, I, again, I want you to be ready for it. And some of you are right there right now. And like I've said, I've been through this multiple times in my Christian life. Sometimes it's lasted a week or two. And at the end of the message, I'm going to tell you a little bit about a time where actually it was a few years that I felt this. And I'm going to talk about how God sort of used that in my life. And so we're going to look at this whole idea of this Gethsemane experience so we find hope now and hope for later. And so here's what we're going to see tonight. As you walk out tonight, you are going to get one clear thought, and I, feel, I hope you're going to feel encouraged, and hope everything's going to make sense to you. But I want to just kind of tell you where we're headed tonight, because we're going to learn some super important things about walking through this experience. And so we're going to ask a few questions here tonight, and, and here's what they are. The first one is, what did Jesus do during his Gethsemane experience? What did Jesus do when he felt far from the Father? That's a really important question to answer, because maybe we could learn something from what Jesus did, and maybe it would help us get through our own experiences like this. Another question we're going to ask is, what did God the Father do during Jesus' Gethsemane experience? Isn't this like one of the biggest questions? When, when we're walking through this, this dark time, aren't we asking God, where are you? What are you up to? What are you doing? And so we're going to see what God the Father was up to when Jesus walked through this. Then we're going to see what Jesus' experience did for us. You see, Jesus going through what he went through actually did something for you and I. It's incredibly powerful. And then the last thing we're going to talk about, and this is what I really want to drive home, this is what I want you to walk out of here with a clear thought on, is what does the Gethsemane lead to in our life? What does that Gethsemane experience lead to or produce in our lives? Is there a point? Is there a purpose? Or is God just sort of up there having fun with us, kind of messing with us, all right? And so that's where we're going to be tonight, all right? Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, like I said earlier, Maybe you gave up on God, or maybe you've never given God a chance because you've, you haven't sort of had that feeling, that connection. And so we're going to talk about that tonight, but we're also going to talk a lot about God's heart for you. And so at the very least, I hope you'll see that you're incredibly loved by God. So here's where we're going, okay? Jesus has lived most of his life. He's with his followers, and he's just given them some really bad news. He's told them that he's going to suffer He's actually taken a piece of bread and broken it and said, hey, this is what's going to happen to my body. I'm going to be broken like this bread was just broken. And he takes, some, 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 uh, he takes a cup and he, he pours it out and he says, okay, my blood's going to be poured out just like this just was for you guys. But then he goes on. He says, hey, I got some bad news for you guys too. You're all going to desert me. You're all going to abandon me and leave me. And then he looks at one of them in the face and he says, Judas, you're the one that's going to get the ball rolling. You're actually going to betray me and hand me over to my enemies. And Judas has left and gone to do that. Now, the reason I tell you all that is because I want you to know that Jesus is in a very dark, lonely place. Jesus is completely by himself. There are still some followers around him, but he knows any moment they will run. They will leave him. One of them will distance himself so much that he'll swear he doesn't even know him. And so Jesus is in a dark, dark place. What does he do here? What does he do when everything's going wrong? Well, that's what we're going to see in Matthew 26, verse 36. And I love this. It says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. So there he is. So he just had this dinner with his, with his followers. Judas is out. He's told them all that's going to happen. He goes to Gethsemane with some of them and says, Sit here while I go over there and pray. Jesus in the darkest time of his life, goes and spends time with his father. That answers our first question. What did Jesus do during his Gethsemane experience? 
He stayed near Father God. He stayed near his Father. He, he refused to kind of unplug. As hard as life was, he was going to stay near his Father as he was in this terrible place in his life. And this is where I think you and I struggle a lot. Ready, guys? Isn't it so true that in our lives, when we start to feel far from God, rather than continue to run to him, we sort of unplug and we distance ourselves and we get away. Guys, isn't it true that, that even us sort of like in the year 2015 where we live, when, when we're not feeling something, do you know what I mean? We sort of like, well, I don't want to be fake. I don't want to just put, put a show on for God. When things start to feel robotic in our relationship with God, we sort of distance ourselves. Even sometimes we think we're doing it for a good reason because we don't want to be fake or whatever it might be. But Jesus, though he was in the middle of all this craziness, though he was alone, then he, he would be abandoned by his followers, and things were going to get actually worse before they got better. He had to go be with his father. Now Luke tells us the same story that Matthew does, and Luke tells us something Matthew does, and here's what he says. He says about this whole experience that Jesus went to his usual place on Gethsemane. You know what that means? I mean, Jesus had a pattern. He was going to be with his father every day. And when things got tough for him, you know what he didn't do? He didn't decide, well, you know what? Since I'm not feeling this, I'm just going to go do my own thing. No, he stayed connected to his father. He did what he used to do when he felt close to his father. When things were good, when miracles were flowing, when the followers were around, when all the crowds were following Jesus, when it was like he was like a rock star for a while, he'd go and be with his father. And now on his worst day, he did what he usually did did and went and spent time with his father that's so important for you and i what did jesus do he stayed near his father god and that's what you and i need to do when we walk through these gethsemane experiences no matter how robotic or dry it might feel so then it goes on in verse 37 he took peter and the two sons of zebedee along with him and he began to be sorrowful and troubled and then he said to them my soul's overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death stay here and keep watch with me have you ever felt just incredibly overwhelmed? I, mean, I just want you to think for a second about that time in your life that was the worst, that worst moment for you. Well, this is Jesus times a million right now. He's in this place knowing he's going to be brutally murdered. He is abandoned by all his friends. He knows all that's coming. And he literally is at this place saying, I could just die right now. I'm so broken. I could just die right now he knew more importantly than anything else he knew that he would carry the sins of every sinner a sinless one would carry the guilt of you and i then it says this going a little farther he fell with his face to the ground and prayed my father if it is possible may this cup be taken from me yet not as i will but as you will now what's jesus asking for here what does it mean when he says take this cup from me it means god if you could take the cross from me If you could save these people another way, then that's my request for you. And so Jesus lays this out for his father. And you know what Jesus hears back? Nothing. Jesus hears silence. Remember the time when the skies opened up and God the Father said, this is my son who I'm pleased in. Can you imagine how much Jesus is craving that moment right now? Can you imagine how you must be like, Father, just speak. Just Even if you can't remove the cross, at least just say something. Haven't there been times in your life where you've been going through something really difficult 
And it's like, I know I've prayed this. God, I can continue to go this way as long as I feel you with me. You know? I know I've prayed that. God, I want you to change my circumstance. But even if you can't, at least show me you're with me. And here's Jesus, I think, praying the same thing. And all he gets back is silence. Verse 40. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. He says, could could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. So here's more disappointment. I mean, as if Jesus weren't down enough, he goes back and his buddies are drooling and snoring. And he's looking back at them like, come on, you couldn't even keep watch with me tonight? After all I told you I was about to go through? I love what Jesus does here, though, because this is where many of us would be tempted to give up, right? Hey, life's really hard. I asked my father to to speak and change my situation, and I got silence. And look what Jesus does. He went away a second time and prayed. My father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. You know what that verse tells us? It tells us the father never answered Jesus the first time he asked it, because Jesus asked the question again. And he even kind of asks it in a way that makes it clear the Father never gave him an answer. It's kind of like Jesus saying here, hey, I didn't really hear from you the last time, but um, if if it's not possible to do what I asked, then your will be done. If I have to go to the cross, I'll go to the cross. But I, I still, Father, I haven't heard from you here. And so I love that Jesus goes back in again. Because you know what? He's not feeling the, the Holy Spirit goosebumps right now. He doesn't have the warm fuzzies right now. He doesn't have his arms raised up in the air, you know, and Jesus culture's playing behind him, you know. Like he's broken and down and he goes back to his father again. And again he hears silence. Verse 43, when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. Again, his followers let him down. Verse 44, look what he does. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time saying the same thing. Jesus persists. He cries out to his father again, if you could take this cup from me, but not my will, your will be done. You know what he hears this time? Silence. Again. Hasn't this happened to you? Haven't Haven't there been times when you've cried out to God and You've asked him to change the situation or at least speak to you and let you know he's with you. And all you've heard back is silence. I just love the fact that Jesus refuses to leave his father. He refuses to give up. And now we hear kind of a cool part of the story here because Luke tells us something else Matthew doesn't. And what Luke tells us is that while Jesus was there in the garden crying out to his father, an angel came and strengthened him. Now now think about this for a second. He didn't hear God's voice. The heavens didn't split open. And the cross wasn't taken away from Jesus. God didn't do what he asked him to do. And yet he sent an angel to give him grace to continue to walk through this dark time. And that's our, our second question. What did God the Father do during Jesus' Gethsemane experience? He strengthened Jesus to continue to walk through this dark time. Now you may be thinking as I say that, okay, so Jesus gets an angel. I don't get an angel when I ask God for help in the middle of my Gethsemane experience. Well, here's my question for you. How do you know? 
How do you know you haven't gotten an angel? How do you know God hasn't given you grace over and over and over again in these dark times to continue on? I would guess that God has done more for you and I in these dark times and these Gethsemane experiences than we will ever know. He's given us more grace as we've stayed near him. And so Jesus, because he stayed near the Father, got the grace to keep walking through this dark time. Now, I'm sure Jesus still wanted to hear his father's voice. You know, I'm sure he was grateful that the, the, the strengthening came, but man, he wanted that close connection with his father. Does that ever happen to you? You're going through a time like this, and as you're going through it, maybe somebody encourages you, maybe you share what you're going through with somebody, and they say, hey, hang in there, man. It's gonna be all right. God's got your back. Just, you know, keep, keep staying close to him. I know that's happened to me, and, and I'll often just, you know, in prayer later say, God, thank you for the encouragement through so-and-so, but I got to tell you, I really want to hear from you directly. I really want to feel your presence again. I want to be me and you again, not, not like just me and that guy and you, right? I, I want to be close to you. And I think that's what Jesus still, his heart was beating for that closeness with his father in this time. But he still heard silence, but he got the grace to continue on. And so do you see how important it is during these Gethsemane experiences to stay near our Father? Because when you do, even though you may not feel it, you may not see it, you can know that your loving Father is giving you grace to continue to walk through maybe a dark season. Next, we see here verse 45. Then he returned to his disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? And then he says this, look, the hour is near. The son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. So Judas is on his way to hand Jesus over to his enemies. Now here's the deal. That was Jesus' Gethsemane experience. That was his experience actually in the garden of Gethsemane. But you know what? His Gethsemane experience wasn't over yet. It wasn't over yet because the darkness in Gethsemane was only a setup for the darkness that Jesus would experience at the cross. You see, here's what happens in this story. So far, everything that Jesus has gone through is something you and I can relate to, right? He's asked his father to do something. His father hasn't done it. He's, he's wanted God to show up and speak, and it hasn't happened. But now we get to the point in the story where you and I can no longer relate to what Jesus is about to go through. Go through. Because Jesus would be beaten and arrested and crucified. And you and I have no idea what that's like. But he's even going to go through something harder. That you and I, as long as we live, and through all eternity, will never experience. And so here's what I want to do now. Because a lot of us are familiar with the verses I'm about to read. I want to ask you guys, if you're comfortable, and if you don't want to, no worries, you don't have to. But I would love for you guys to close your eyes. And as I read this, I would love for you to just picture in your mind the words that I read here. Because we're about to see something happen in the story that you and I cannot relate to. Matthew 27, verse 35 says this. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you were going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. Save yourself 
come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I'm the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. You guys can just keep your eyes closed, but just so you know, darkness in the Bible often refers to judgment. And here is God judging Jesus for all the sins of every person who has ever lived and will ever live. That's your sin and my sin on him in this moment. And then we get to the next verse, which I just want to really focus on here. It says this, about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Look back at me. This word forsaken means abandoned. It means that God the Father abandoned Jesus. He deserted Jesus in this moment. You and I can't relate to that. You see, for you and I, it feels like God abandons us sometimes, but Jesus actually was abandoned. And this, I think, was probably the worst part of the cross experience for Jesus. I don't think it was the pain, although it was terrible. I don't think it was the judgment, although that was something we'll never understand fully. I think the most painful part of this experience was being abandoned by his father. And what you and I need to understand tonight is that Jesus was abandoned so that you and I never would be. And that's our answer to that next question. What did Jesus' experience do for us? It ensured we would never be abandoned. And so when you feel like God's abandoned you, when you feel like God's left you, when you feel like you're praying and it's bouncing off the ceiling and you're opening up the Bible and you're not seeing anything at all, remember that you are not abandoned. Remember that Jesus was abandoned so that you and I never would be. Now some of you guys might be saying, okay, Doug, this is some encouraging stuff and I'm learning some things here that, that it's important that Jesus stayed by the Father in the Gethsemane experience. And I see the Father strengthen Jesus because he stayed by him. And, and it's incredibly encouraging to know that while I may feel abandoned, I'm not actually abandoned. But Doug, please tell me there's more. Please tell me there's a why in here. There is an answer why God lets us go through this stuff. What is God up to in these Gethsemane seasons? Well, I have an answer for you tonight, and I hope this is what will encourage you, and I hope this is what will keep you, and I hope this is what you will cling to as maybe you're walking through this now, or maybe you will, or definitely you will in the future. And so the answer to our last question is, what does the Gethsemane experience lead to in our lives? And our answer is God working powerfully. You see, here's the truth, guys. Jesus was crying out to his Father, saying, if there's any other way, And he heard nothing back, and God stayed silent. But listen, the silence that Jesus experienced led to Jesus' greatest victory, right? The silence in Gethsemane 
was only a short season that would lead to the greatest, most powerful thing that God has ever done, raising the son back from the dead. There's no darker night than Gethsemane, but there's no greater victory than the resurrection, right? And so here when Jesus prays and the Father is quiet, and you know what? You and I pray sometimes and and our Father is quiet and he feels far. We can know something. We can know. It's not for nothing. We can know that it's going to lead to God working powerfully. And that's what I want you to cling to. And this is the thought I want to stick with you from this message. It's this thought that the silence in Gethsemane leads to God working powerfully. That's what you can cling to as you're going through this now maybe or as you go through it in the future, knowing that it's not for nothing, that there is a purpose, there is a point, that sometimes God stays silent to only lead us to a greater revelation of him, to lead us to see him working powerfully in our lives. You see, the word Gethsemane actually means oil press. And the reason it means that is because this garden is on the Mount of Olives, right? And so they would take those olives in Gethsemane and they would press them. And you know what's going on here for Jesus? He was being pressed. God the Father was pressing Jesus. And what came out of that experience, all that pressure that Jesus went through, was salvation for you and I. And you know what? Your loving Father sometimes presses you. Sometimes he presses me. And when he presses us, he's trying to push out of us and draw out of us greater faith and greater trust and greater hunger and greater passion to seek him out. And sometimes he's pressing out of us the impurities and the junk and the garbage. And so while he's never abandoning you and I, Sometimes he makes it feel like he's withdrawn so that we seek him all the harder and our faith is strengthened and stretched. And out of that becomes something that we'll eventually be grateful for. The most difficult Gethsemane experience I ever had in my life was when I was younger and I had knew I wanted to be in ministry and I had started doing different things in ministry and yet my, my doubt in God and my doubt in Jesus just was through the roof. And if you've been around for a while, you've heard me talk about this season in my life before, but this was a multi-year struggle for me. This was a multi-year trying to figure out what I believed. And you know what? As I went through that, it felt terrible, like literally shed tears, literally was depressed, literally had no idea what to believe or what to trust. But I can tell you two things that my loving father brought out of that time. And one of them is an unshakable faith. Because as I was in that place where God was pressing me, what that pressing made me do was seek him all the harder. And it made me research Christianity. It made me look at other religions and compare them to Christianity. It made me research the first century. It made me ask questions about the resurrection. And out of all that mess came a strong faith, a faith that was my own, not my mom's and my dad's, not my college professors, but it was my faith. And God pressed that out of me during that terrible time in my life, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. And so God felt so far from me, but I'm so grateful that I stayed near him and that he kept me near him because he did give me grace day after day 
to continue to walk through that dark period of my life. Another thing that I see as a result of that time is that I've gotten to share what I found in that time. That's the visitor CD. That's the evidence CD set. And now tons of people have heard what I never would have known. I never would have known all that stuff. I wouldn't have sat around. I'm not that smart. I don't sit and research history, okay? But because I needed it for me, I searched that out, sometimes day and night, sometimes into the late morning hours. I was researching and searching for God and crying out in prayer and breaking down in tears. And eventually it made himself so real to me that my faith was strengthened. And now I hope it's being used in other people's lives as well. But that was all a part of that pressing. It was all a part of my Gethsemane experience. And I would guess some of you are there right now. And you've been wondering why it doesn't feel like it used to. And you've been wondering why you're not hearing God like you used to. And it seems like he's silent. And it seems like reading the Bible isn't giving you any kind of substance anymore. And it feels like coming to church where it used to get you fired up. You're just sort of like coasting by. But if I could encourage you to like Jesus, stay near your father during this time. And watch him strengthen you. Watch him give you grace. You may not feel it. But you know what? If you continue to put one foot in front of the other every day, even if you don't have the Holy Spirit goosebumps, you know what? That means your Father's strengthening you to continue to walk this thing out. And you can know that while it might feel like you're abandoned, you're not. Only one person ever been abandoned by his Father, and that was our Savior, who did it so that we never would be. And you can know that this time in your life is going to produce great things. It's going to produce God working powerfully. And it's going to give you a greater revelation of who he is and a greater understanding of who he is. And so if you're there now, stay near your father. And in the future, when you and I go through it again, we got to stay near our father, even when it feels robotic, even when it feels like we're not getting anything out of it. We are. We are. I love those old lyrics from a song that I loved when I was a kid, that emotions start to sway, but truth won't fade away. Emotions are up and down. We know this, right? One day you love this, next thing you hate this, right? Emotions sway, but truth doesn't fade away. And so as you and I stay near the truth, we stay near our Father. He's going to keep us, and we're going to see him at work in our lives. If you're not a follower of Jesus, God wants you to experience him. God wants to show up in your life. God wants to show you answered prayer and make a difference in your life. And he wants to produce amazing things in you. And once in a while, because he loves you and I, he'll let us walk through a season where we may not feel him. But like I said, he's drawing out your faith and he's drawing out your trust in him. And it's always good. Everything God does in the end is good. And so if you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him tonight, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that in just a minute. But if you are a follower of Jesus and you're walking through this right now, I would encourage you, do what you used to do. Do the usual thing. If you had a habit to be near your father and during this time you've pushed that to the side, get back to that habit because in it he'll strengthen you and ultimately you'll see him do great things because the silence in Gethsemane leads to God working powerfully. Let's pray. God, we thank you that even in those hard times you are working, even in those dark seasons, you are at work. And even when you feel really far away, you are with us.
And Jesus, we just want to honor you and thank you for not only setting an example for us to follow, but for being abandoned so that we wouldn't be. And so we celebrate you tonight, Jesus. And we thank you for what you've accomplished for us. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're going through this right now, I want to ask you to go right now to your Father. Maybe you've been sort of pushing him away a little bit. Maybe you've been less into reading the Bible, less into being here at church, less into prayer or any of these types of things. And today is the day to return to that full force. Maybe it's time to just ask God to strengthen you as you walk through this season. If you're not going through this right now and you're a follower of Jesus, be ready. Don't be fearful because God's good. And if he does this, it will be good and it will be for your good. But be ready in that time to stay near your father and to watch him work powerfully in your life. And if you're not a follower of Jesus and you'd like to put your trust in Jesus, then I would love to lead you in a prayer that you could just say quietly to him. Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for being abandoned so that I never would be. Thank you for rising back from the dead. Thank you for being judged in my place. Would you forgive me for my sin? And would you be my Savior and my God? And would you show me how real you are? 